0: All right, so we started going through uh, the book of Mark in the fall, and uh, we took about a three-, four-month break, and now we're back in the book of Mark. And uh, actually, uh, the, the book of Mark is uh, commonly divided into two sections, 1 through 7 and then 8 through 16. 1 through 7 is all about who Jesus is. And the reason we're jumping back into Mark 8 is because 8 through 16 concentrates on Jesus' vocation to the cross. Uh, the main reason that Jesus has come to this earth is to die. Uh, is to die this, uh, this brutal death we call the crucifixion. And uh, especially during this time of year, historically Christians have celebrated what is called uh, the season of Lent, which uh, is a time when we concentrate uh, on the meaning of the cross and what Jesus has done for us. And so that's what we started doing last week. And if you remember uh, last week, uh, we looked at Jesus' call to discipleship. Jesus uh, called Peter to a life of cross bearing, to a life of taking up your cross and following Him all the way to death. And, G- and Peter did not like that. Uh, he didn't like that at all. He tried to rebuke P- uh, to, He tried to take Jesus aside and rebuke him, and, and Jesus had to rebuke him back. And he called him Satan, and it was uh, it was not pretty. Uh, but why didn't Peter like that? Why didn't Peter like this call to the cross? Because Peter had this conception of glory and power. And they had this idea of what the Messiah would look like. The Messiah would be someone who would reign from a throne, and who would rule over the Roman powers, uh, who would uh, be ruler of all of the nations. Uh, and that's what Peter wanted. Peter wanted prestige and power. Uh, Peter wanted a throne to rule from. Uh, you know, if if you read the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew 16, that's uh, sort of the, the mirroring uh, passage from Mark. Uh, It makes it even more explicit because Jesus tells Peter, Jesus, you will be a key player in the establishment of my ministry. And Peter wanted that power. And then right after that, he said, I'm going to go die a brutal death. Peter wanted power and prestige, and he tried to rebuke Jesus uh, because he wanted the glory. And that's what we all want, if if we're really honest with ourselves. What do we want more than anything else? We want glory. Uh, We want power. We want prestige. We want to be on the top. The last thing that we want, if we're really honest with ourselves, the last thing we want is to bear a cross. The last thing we want is a shameful death along with Jesus. And yet that's what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to uh, revoke our glory. He calls us to renounce it and to give it all up. Now, as we come to this passage, uh, Mark and Matthew, for that matter, put the passage of the Transfiguration right after this call to discipleship. And it's ironic. It's ironic because what does Jesus do uh, in this passage? Well, what he does is he takes his disciples, and not, not even all of them, he takes his inner circle of the disciples up on top of this mountain, out of the valley, up on top of a mountain, and what does he show them? Well, he shows them glory. He shows them Power. He shows them a glimmering Jesus, right? And don't you see the irony in that? Peter, come follow me, and now look at my glory. Okay? What is the meaning of this? Well, what Mark wants to do is he wants to contrast suffering with glory. He wants to contrast power with death. And especially in this passage, what Mark wants to do is he he wants to make clear that God is not against our glory. God is not against our power. God is not against rising us up. But there is a certain path that we need to take in order to get to glory. And I just want you to think, what is the normal way uh, that the world uh, accrues power and glory and prestige? Well, it's, it's through stepping on others. It's through the survival of the fittest. It's through fighting and backbiting and scapegoating. Right? Right? Uh, it's, it's through sacrificing others for our sake, rather than sacrificing ourselves for others. Um, the normal way that the world gets glory and power and prestige is by climbing, and by fighting. It is certainly not by taking a cross. Um, I, I remember when I uh, when I was in college, I used to work at Starbucks, and uh, you know this just shows my thirst for glory. Uh, I hated working at Starbucks. I just, I couldn't stand that job at all. Uh, I had to get up at 4 a.m. I mean, I'm pretty sure every single day I would get up and be like, today's the day I'm gonna quit, right? Well, this just shows my my desire for power and for glory. One day I got up and I had this coworker that I, I loved working with, and we were both pretty good. He was way, no, he was way better than me. But a position opened up at Starbucks and almost immediately, it was a managerial position, and almost immediately I stopped hating my job. You, you see what I'm saying? And I wanted that position. And why? Because of the power and the glory involved in an assistant managerial position. I had high hopes back then. But what ended up happening was my friend got that job. And guess what it did to our relationship? It ruined it. Not, not totally, but it almost ruined it. I ended up getting jealous I ended up not working well under him. I wasn't very respectful of him. And I was jealous of him. I wanted to, I, you know, I, want, I wanted that power. And this is how the world operates. The way you get power is by betraying others, through jealousy, through strong-arming others, through stepping on others. Right? That's the way that you get power. Except that the Christian way of getting power is totally paradoxical, Okay. This is what this passage is about. What Jesus wants us to understand is that God is not against our glory. He's not against our power, but there is a way to get to power that totally goes against the way that the world operates. And um, <clears throat> that's what this passage is all about. All right, so let's, uh, we're going we're gonna to be looking at uh, three points this morning. And they all revolve around glory. They all revolve around glory. The first point is that uh, Jesus shows us a revelation of his glory. The second point is Jesus shows us the path to glory. And then third of all, uh, Jesus sh- uh, gives us a call to glory. So the revelation of his own glory, the path to that glory, and then he calls us to that same glory. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and uh, look at our first point here, which is the revelation of glory. In this passage, Jesus shows us uh, an incredible revelation of his own glory. Let's go ahead and read uh, back through verses 2 through 4 here. Verse two says this. Uh, says this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them high up, or, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. It, it actually literally says in the Greek, as no launderer on earth could bleach his clothes. <laughs> so, not even the greatest of of, of launderers could get the clothes this 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 white. As no one on earth could bleach them, and there appeared before them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. All right, Jesus shows us a revelation of his glory. Uh, what is Jesus doing here? Well, he takes the disciples up to this mountain, and he begins shining. And right on either side of him appears Elijah and then Moses. Now, what is the meaning of this revelation? Well, there's two things that uh, this revelation shows us. First of all, it shows us Jesus' divinity. It shows us who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the divine glory of God. And this is confirmed in the fact that, uh, you know, especially when Moses appears before him, if you remember in the Old Testament, Moses went up on top of a mountain and the glory of God shone upon him to such an extent that his face began to glow. And so when he came down the mountain, all of Israel was freaked out by it, you know. Um, Jesus in himself is is the glory of God shining before the disciples. And in this story, instead of Moses, there's Peter. And he's encountering this glory. And instead of the glory of God, it's Jesus himself. So Jesus is the very divine glory of God. That's the first thing that shows us. The second thing that it shows us here is <clears throat> Jesus, in this revelation of glory, is giving his disciples a preview of, of his future resurrection and enthronement in glory. Okay? Jesus is showing his disciples a preview of his future re- uh, resurrection and enthronement with, in, in glory. <clears throat> what happens to Jesus in the resurrection? God overturns uh, the prosec- uh, persecution and the prosecution of the rulers of the age, right? The Jews betray him and put him to death, Rome nails him to a cross. And he's put to death as a common criminal. But what happens in the resurrection? Well, God the Father overturns all of that. And he says, no, he is my righteous son. And he raises him up and he seats him at his right hand. And Jesus becomes Lord of lords, King of kings, ruler of rulers, and not just Messiah of Israel, he is that. But he becomes the Lord of the cosmos. Uh, this is what Jesus is showing Peter. Now, How do we know that? Because of the two people that appear beside him. You know, on the one hand, both of these characters, Elijah and Moses, on the one hand, both of them saw a revelation of God on top of a mountain. Uh, Elijah saw that in 2 Kings and Moses in uh, Exodus. But on the other hand, both of them, according to Jewish tradition, uh, were taken up in glory into heaven, body and soul. Uh, we saw this in 2 Kings when Elijah goes into a fiery chariot. You guys remember that? And he rides on up into heaven. Uh, Moses does die, but but according to Jewish tradition, uh, later on apparently uh, his body goes up with him. If you uh, if you guys have ever read the book of Jude, <laughs> Jude quotes an interesting story from the book of Enoch, which is not in our Bible, uh, but he quotes it there, and so that it, we know he's. Assuming that is true. But there's this interesting story where uh, the angel Gabriel and Satan are arguing over the bones of Moses. Just, you know, just a normal thing that happens every day. But they're arguing over the bones of Moses, and why? Well, presumably, angel, the angel Gabriel wants to take those body up into heaven, right? And so there's this Jewish tradition that both of them were taken up, body and soul, into heaven. And so what Jesus is signaling to his disciples is that he will join them in a glorious resurrection up in heaven. Okay? Uh, there, there's also another uh, hint of this. When Jesus, in verse 9, he calls himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man is, uh, on the one hand, it is a designation of his humanity, but he's also borrowing this name from the book of Daniel, which is this Old Testament book, <clears throat> this prophecy about this guy named the Son of Man. And there's a prophecy that says that this guy, the Son of Man, nobody knows who he is, will be taken up into glory in a cloud, and seated up as king, as Messiah. And in the book of Acts, that's actually what happened. So all of the clues in this passage point to the fact that Jesus at some point in his life will be enthroned as messianic king, okay? And just to put yourself in Peter's shoes, Peter is seeing all this, and surely he gets all of the hints. Jesus is showing his messianic glory that will happen in the future, and it's, it's a preview right? And what's the point of a a preview? It's it's, it's to show you enough so that you want to see the rest of it, right? Uh, My dad complains that movie previews nowadays, they they show way too much. They show all the good scenes, and then you go to see the movie, you see all the the rest of the bad scenes. But at least the point of the preview is to show you just enough so that you want to see the entire movie. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's showing Peter a revelation of his own messianic kingship and of the resurrection that he will experience. Now, what's the meaning of this? Didn't Jesus just call Peter to death? Well, the meaning is this, that God, you know, Jesus does call us all to death, but God is not against our glory. God is not Zeus who competes for glory, who competes for power, who's against us. Uh, God wants us to be glorified. God wants us to participate in his own life. Uh, You know, if you remember when God created Adam and Eve, what did he give Adam? The entire world. Right, he said, Adam, you're king. You are king, and everything is subject to you. That's what God wants for human beings, and that's what Jesus experienced in the resurrection. He became king of the world. The only reason we're not kings is because Adam handed over his power to Satan when he sinned. And all of us have been born under subjection to bondage of sin and death and Satan and so on. Jesus came to reclaim the world for us. To become king. And so this revelation shows us that God is for us. He wants to elevate us to be kings. To have power. To have everything subject to us. That's what God wants for us. But there is a certain path that we have to take to get there. And that brings us to our second point here. There is a path to power and to glory that we must take. And as I said at the beginning here, what is the normal path that all of us take? Well, we take others out for our own sake, we step on others so that we can rise up. It's the survival of the fittest, that's how our world operates. It operates by stepping on others and climbing the corporate ladder. It operates with obsessing with our own glory, with obsessing with what we get and what we can get out of it. But that's the path of the world. What is the path of the Christian? How do we get to glory? How do we become kings with Christ? Well, very simply, in order to get to glory, we must first go by way of the cross. In order to get to glory, we must first go go by the way of the cross. If we want power and glory and honor, we must first learn to die to our own desires. We must first learn to give up everything for the sake of others. We must first learn to give up our desires for power and prestige and honor and praise. We must first learn to be able to sacrifice and to give up for the sake of others. This is the path uh, that Jesus is calling to. He's calling us to glory, but by way of self-sacrifice. Okay? Now, where is that in, in, in the passage here? <clears throat> well, there's two uh, places uh, where, where it uh, hints at it. One is less explicit, one is more explicit. But the first one is, is when you look at Peter's reaction, uh, it, it makes it pretty clear that his reaction is wrong. And it's debated, you know, uh, I, I read some commentary, it's debated on what exactly Peter means, uh, in his reaction, but we all know that it was the wrong reaction. Uh, uh, let's, let's go ahead and look here at uh, Peter's reaction. And, you know, just, just remember, Peter is the one, like, if he doesn't know what to say, he's just going to say something and hope it works out. So <laughs> uh, if you look here at verse 5 here, And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, so this is right after he showed, showed his glory, Rabbi, it's good that we were here, that we are here. Uh, let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he didn't know what to say, because <laughs> he was terrified, right? So he's, he's scared out of his mind, and then what is his first inclination? Let me just say something. But what does he say? He says, wow, this is amazing. Uh, let's, let's, let's leave all this glory up here on this mountain. Let's build tents and, and, so we can house your glory. Let, let's, let's set up some religious shrines. And maybe people can come and bow down to you as Messiah, right? What is Peter's first inclination when he sees this glory? Well, it's to grasp for it. To say, I want to keep it. Give it all to me. That's what Peter's first inclination is. And it's uh, very similar to last week when uh, Jesus said, I'm Messiah. And, and Peter's like, oh, yes, I knew it. And then he says, but I have to die. No, Jesus. No, no, don't. Okay, Jesus, you don't die. You're supposed to be king, right? Peter's obsessed with power. He's obsessed with power, and he wants it for himself. And last week, Jesus has to rebuke him. But what happens this week in this passage? If you look here at verse 7, And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Okay, Now who's the voice? That's the voice of the father. Jesus rebuked Peter last week. This week, the Father appears in this luminous cloud and rebukes Peter again. (laughs) Okay, so in both passages, Peter's grasping for power, and in both passages, one member of the Trinity rebukes him. And the Father says, "Peter, shh, you know, (laughs) stop talking. Listen to my son." Now, what what does that mean? Listen to my son. Well, what has Jesus been saying to Peter? Take up your cross. If you want to keep your life, give it up. Don't grasp for your life because you'll lose it. And what is Peter doing? He's grasping. He's hoarding. He wants the power. He's salivating over it, even. And both Jesus and both the Father are saying, "No, no, no. The way to glory is not by hoarding. It's, it, it's not by climbing. It's not by grasping. There is another way, and it's the way of the cross. So that, that's, our, that's our first hint here in this passage. Another thing that happens, though, uh, and, and this is even more central to the passage here, right after Jesus reveals his glory and the Father says, listen to my son, right after all of that, and Peter's sort of, oh, give me this glory, what happens right after that? If we look here in verse 8, Mark says, and suddenly looking around they saw no one, or they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Right after Jesus tries to grasp for the glory, what happens? Jesus hides it. It disappears. It's gone. Okay? Which, you know, we're try- you know, Peter's needing to learn something here. And then Jesus says in verse 9, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Okay, what, what, is, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, Peter. God wants to lift you up. He wants you to reign. He wants you to be king. And I want to bring you with me into my glory. But that glory, this preview of glory that you see, it cannot come until, it can't come until I suffer and die at the hands of the powers of this age and until I'm risen. In other words, there's an order. There's there's an order to this glory the glory doesn't come, the power doesn't come until what? I give up everything. Peter, until I'm utterly stripped and beaten and mocked, until I'm totally overtaken by the powers of, of this age, until I become nothing, then I will get glory. Okay? So, in other words, the order of the world which says, I grasp for glory and I climb for glory and I reach for glory, It's the total opposite way for the Christian. The way to power, the way to prestige, the way to glory, the way to be kings and to reign is down. Go down, 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 down with me. That's where Jesus is taking us. If you want to be raised with me, you first must die with me. And this is uh, made even more explicit. I think we'll cover this passage next week. But what happens after This whole scene. Well, Jesus says, come with me. And he takes Peter off the top of the mountain, this mountain experience. He takes him all the way down into a valley. And there's a boy who's possessed by a demon. And he says, minister to him. Serve him. Give your power away to him. Okay? Jesus is saying, this this mountain experience that uh, that, that, that you're having, Peter, It doesn't come until you come down into the valley to serve others with me. It doesn't come until you give all of your power away and expend yourself for the sake of others. It doesn't come until you sacrifice yourself with me for others. (coughs) And, you know, when, when you read passages in Paul, this is exactly what he says. For instance, in Philippians 2, Paul says that God the Son became man and he didn't account his glory something to be grasped, but he let go of it and he came down. And not just that, he went all the way down into death and he sacrificed himself for us. And then Paul says, and because of that self sacrificial love, because of that giving away, because of that self donation, the Father raised him up above every rule and every authority to be King of Kings. Right? You see, see, there's this order, it's not up but it's down. And we when we're at our very lowest, that's when the Father raises us up. And it's when Jesus was at his very lowest on the cross. When he was stripped of all his dignity. When he was totally crucified and bare before the powers of the age, stomped on. That's when the Father said, "This is my righteous servant. This is my king." And I'm going to raise him up and seat him in the heavenlies with me. This is what the Father wants from us. He wants for us to go down with Christ. So that is the path to glory. Now, <clears throat> bringing it home here, how do we apply this passage? Um, you know, I have to be honest, when I was studying this passage this week, it seemed so uh, ethereal. Uh, sort of weird heavenly experience, this glory But how how do we apply this passage? What is Jesus calling us to on an everyday basis? What is Jesus calling us to? He's calling us to let go of our obsession with self-glory. He's calling us to let go of our obsession with glory and power and praise and honor. You know, why is Peter always, Peter seems to be picked on all the time. Right? (laughs) Uh, In the book of John, you know, John picks him uh, at the very end, but I think every one of the gospel writers picks on Peter, and why? Because we're all like him. It's not like Peter is any worse than any one of us. We're all like him. All of us are so obsessed with what other people think of us, with what we have versus what we don't have, with what that guy over there is doing versus what I'm doing over here. All of us go into our work totally obsessed with what we can get out of it. with climbing the corporate ladder. All of us, you know, we, we have groups of friends, but if we're honest, we're wondering, man, why do they like that guy over there? Why do they like her? What's, what's wrong with me? <laughs> All of us are obsessed with ourselves. And that is the very nature of sin. Sin is self-obsession. It's grasping for glory. It's grasping for the fruit. It's saying, I have the divine prerogative. And God says, it's not until you join in suffering with my son that I'll raise you up. And I just want you to think, you know, what would your life look like if you let go of your concern for what other people think, for with your job position, your job performance, um, for with the comfort that you have at home? You know, I go home every night from work, and inevitably, both of our kids are screaming. <laughs> the dinner's on the stove. I'm tired. And the only thing I want to do is sit on the, on the couch and watch TV. You know, What would happen if I said, no, I'm going to go and suffer? It's not like I'm su- I love my family. That it sounds awful. The point is, what if I just let go? It's at that point where we are... Totally unconcerned for our own glory and power and prestige. It's at that point we're at the very, very bottom, under everyone else, being stomped on and stepped on, that the Father raises us up. Because it's at that point that we have joined Christ in his suffering. You know, Jesus didn't go to the cross. You know, the Bible says all over the place, Jesus went through the cross for us. That doesn't mean instead of us. What Jesus did was he paved a way to glory that w- where we could follow him. Because on the cross, we were dying. On the cross, the old Adam was dying. The sinful self was being crucified. The s- whole sinful condition was being killed. And a new way was being opened up. And Jesus says, die with me. Give yourself for others. And it's at that point... Where you don't care anymore, where you're totally turned away from yourself towards others, that God raises you up and he makes you kings with Christ and queens. It's at that point where we are totally crucified that God can raise us up. And that's the path of a Christian. Uh, you know, Martin Luther had this uh, uh, right at the very beginning of the Reformation. He had a document, and I I can't even remember right now, but he talked about two kinds of people. There's the theologian of glory and there's the theologian of the cross. The theologian of glory says, is averted to the way of the cross. He says, I want this out here. I want this glory and this power. But the true theologian is the one who says, God is most revealed and his power is most revealed in the cross. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And that's where we will find resurrection and power and glory. So let's pray. Father <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, pray that you would help us to understand the way of the cross. That <coughs> the cross is not something that we should fear, but it's something that we should seek after. And when we finally learn to give ourselves away for the sake of others, There, God is raising us up. There, God is enthroning us as kings. There, God is joining us in glory with his son. Help us to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it alone. Give us the ability to do that by the power of the spirit within us, turning outwards from ourselves and seeking to give ourselves for others. pray this in Christ's name, amen.